And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, British Columbia from Terrace to Nelson and all cities in between. We're back in the studio in Vancouver. Uh, we've had Thanksgiving and we've had uh, the National Wine Awards. Tony, how did that go? That was pretty exciting. Uh, we uh, There was 26 judges from across the country. We gathered. Uh, I was there for eight days uh, setting up and taking down all that, but it was a five-day judging. Where was it? And uh, It was in Penticton. We had the Trade and Convention Center. We had the entire Trade and Convention Center except for one room, which was a vaccination clinic. <laughs> so so we were getting vaccinated into Canadian wine and other people were getting vaccinated for COVID. So uh, they wanted to be in our room more than I wanted to be in theirs. But And how many judges this year? Uh, well, it's, it was 26 from across the country. Well, one, uh, Jamie Good comes from London, England. So a big, nice lineup. And then we set a national Canadian record with 2,000 and. I haven't seen the final number. I want to say 83 wines in, in the competition, 2,183. So it was pretty, uh, pretty amazing uh, go there. Pretty intense. Uh, How do they yeah. do that, Tony? Uh, well, I, it's well, they you know the wines are dished out. They tried. I try to keep them at about 90 wines a day, so they stay fresh. We never taste like 150 wines, so that's all good. And we go for five days and essentially uh, taste the wines. Uh, we go through all the wines once, obviously, and then we come back with about the top 25% and do uh, the finals. And lots of interesting stuff in terms of the flights. Like Chardonnays were unbelievable this year. They really have taken off as a category. Uh, they used to be in the middle good. You know, Syrah was always the, the, the lead category, but Chardonnay showed really well. Riesling, Pinot Noir. Uh, lots of stuff happening there, Casey, uh, at the National Wine Awards. So the results will be out on October 21st. They'll roll out for about uh, 10 or 12 days on uh, Wine Online and at gizmondionwine.com. Well, I'm uh, phoning we sh- you at midnight that night. Yeah, for the big list. For the list, and then I'm going to uh, head to, I don't know, probably yeah. <laughs> save on and... Probably have the best selection or, or order direct from the wineries. Hey, we got to get to today's show. We're going to be talking to Kathy Malone. Guess what? She's been making wine, I'm not going to say, for a lot of vintages. So we're going to celebrate that at Hillside Winery. Uh, we're going to talk to a master of wine, two masters of wine, Casey Ross Weiss at Black Hills Wineries. He's going to talk about uh, a new grape that's famous uh, in Italy. Do you know what variety that might be? Sangiovese. Way to go, way to go. Uh, and we're going to talk to our really good friends, Audrey Sarau and Rod Butters. Remember when they opened uh, the Fresco restaurant in Kelowna? Yes, I do. How long ago was that? 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Uh, Rod's got a great story about uh, opening that restaurant uh, uh, that he had a gentleman come up and talk to him about what he was doing there. So you, you won't want to miss that. Uh, but coming up next, we're off to the Naramata bench. We're going to speak to another master of wine, winemaker Marcus Ansem of Daydreamer Wines. Uh, although he's not much of a daydreamer, Casey. No, he's we should pretty buttoned we, down and yeah. just a pretty amazing winemaker. We should find out why he called it Daydreamer Wines. Let's ask him that. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada, 
Dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe and inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. The Maipo Valley is a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Whether it's in the tasting room or outside on the spacious rooftop patio with a gorgeous view of Okanagan Lake, the Therapy Vineyard tasting experience is one of a kind. The tasting room is open daily, reservations required for groups of six or more. Need a little long-distance therapy? Sign up for their fully customizable wine club with 15% off therapy wine, 20% off select rates at the inn, discounted shipping, and more. Sign up today at therapyvineyards.com. Casual, modern dining, exceptional Okanagan flavor. Introducing the most anticipated new eatery in the Valley, 15 Park Bistro at Watermark Beach Resort in Osuyus. Chef Nick Atkins and his team are ready to create an unforgettable dining experience for you, utilizing fresh local ingredients. 15 Park Bistro's lakeside patio with its unmatched views of Lake Osuyus is now open. Indoor dining available as well. For reservations and more, including full takeout menu options, visit 15parkbistro.com. And now, a BC Food and Wine Radio Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries. Presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited. Hello, British Columbia. We hope you had a pleasurable Thanksgiving weekend. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And our next stop is the beautiful Naramata Bench, and our guest is winemaker and co-owner Marcus Ansem of Daydreamer Wines. Marcus, great to catch up with you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Nice to be here. Yeah, well, I guess the big question is harvest. I know, uh, are you finished outside, maybe not inside? Where, where are you at now on the bench? Yeah, so we're uh, we're now finished picking. We uh, we just picked our riesling a few days ago, and that was the last of our fruit to come in. So we're done from a harvest perspective, and uh, we've got lots of red wines that we're making inside at the moment. But uh, outside work's done for the moment. Yeah, well, maybe people don't know how long will it take you to clear all the tanks and you know get those wines into barrel, and maybe you can have a little bit of a rest. Uh, so we've got, uh, at the moment, we've got some um, some Bordeaux varieties fermenting on skin. So we've got some Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon. We have a little bit of Syrah, a little bit of Shiraz. So um, uh, normally uh, our ferments can run anywhere from 7 to 10 days if if we're uh, in just doing a standard fermentation. Or things like our Bordeaux varieties, we tend to keep them on skins for a while Um and we run all our ferments with uh, natural ferments, so sometimes they they take a bit longer and are a little bit slower. So we could be up to up to thirty days on skins. Wow! So That's... yeah, that puts us into November. Yeah. And Marcus, it's a real family winery, Daydreamer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my wife and I started it in uh, 2013, and uh, we've got three kids, and we live on the property here, and we've got. Uh, 
few sheep, some dogs, a cat, a cat. So it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely a family. All all the family get involved. I, I read that your kids were getting involved uh, during COVID. You were homeschooling them, and uh, you got them out into the vineyard. How's that been going? Oh, pretty good. I mean, COVID's pretty tough on kids generally, I think, and um, we're we're a little bit lucky in that we have uh, some space, and um, I think that being outside, working with uh, with the vines and and helping out around the the winery is not the worst thing for mental health and just uh, good exercise and good for our family generally. Mm. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about some of your philosophies. I know you're a fan of uh, or- organics, biodynamics, sustainability. Uh, wh- where does that all start with you, and, and why why are you doing it, and why would you maybe would you recommend that other people follow that path as well? Um, I've, I guess, uh, sort of going back a little bit. My um, my family had an interest in in a winery in Australia in the Grampians area of Victoria. So I sort of did my first vintage when I was about 14 years old. Um, and I, I guess I was lucky. I worked with my uncle Trevor, Trevor Mast, and he uh, he was one of the few um, people at that time. I think he was, we were actually the first um, vineyard that was certified biodynamic in Australia. Um, that was that was a long time ago now. But um, so, so I, I was exposed to some of those transitional um, issues early on. You know, we we worked with an older vineyard, and um, uh, we found that our yields were dropping off, and uh, the, the vineyard's health was starting to deteriorate using conventional viticulture. And so that was the original um, impetus to, to change over and that was successful ultimately, you know, to get some of the older vines back to health. And, mm. and uh, yeah, after, after I kind of set on my own journey, I, I, uh, I, I came to realise that a lot of the wines I really loved tended to be made organically or biodynamically or, you know, from, from a sort of sustainable bent. Um, so that was kind of, that was where I got some of the initial uh, motivation to, to go down that path. But, you know, it's, it's, just, it's a long path. And I, I, I started yeah. doing conventional winemaking and conventional viticulture. I've got a, I've got a, a science degree. Um, and so, you know, I, I came at it from a, from a fairly traditional um, perspective initially. Our guest is Marcus Ansoms of Daydreamer Wines. And Marcus, is it more expensive to do that? To go that route, it is. Yeah, it is. I think that, you know maybe long term, uh, it it uh, it makes more financial sense. But initially, there's there's costs involved. So you're probably looking at least thirty percent wow. more cost to run an organic vineyard. Um, and then in the winery, there's there's sometimes more risk if you don't know what you're doing. And um, just generally letting nature take its courses has. Uh, uh, you know, it's. I would. I wouldn't recommend it to to people that don't have experience in it. It can. It can be tricky, and, and there can be risks involved. Yes. Yeah, I've often heard that. You know, if you want to be organic or biodynamic, uh, you really have to be a fantastic viticulturalist. You can't make many mistakes out there because it's it's not forgiving. No, you're absolutely right. It it really. You know, the thing I like about it, honestly, is that. It, it makes you pay more attention to to the weather. It makes you pay more attention to the vines, um, all the different various cycles that are going on. You know, we we look at what's going on underneath the soil, working with this kind of microrhizome and the um, uh, the soil health in, initially, but also that sort of translates up into the into the vine canopy and and the cover crops that we're using and some of the the uh, the beneficial insects that are that are working in their in their little uh, uh, biospheres with everything else 
Mm-hmm. So it's, it makes you makes you focus. So that's that's one thing that I, I would say um, is sort of an inherent benefit is that that you can't really take your eyes off the ball um, when you're running a, a vineyard organically because uh, if you look away, things can go wrong. You you know you've got a lot of experience. People probably don't know how many. Uh, I think you've done over thirty harvests around the world, and you, uh, you know in your short winemaking life, going back and forth, I guess uh, two a year, that kind of thing. But now that you've been in the Naramata for for a number of years, what what do you think about the piece of dirt you're on and the place you're at, and where how do where do we fit in? Do you think in the wine world? Well, I think just generally the Okanagan is super exciting. That's why I came here kind of over 15 years ago. I saw that there was there was lots going on, and the wines that were were uh, initially coming out were pretty exciting. And you know, from a climactic point of view, you've got a uh, you've got a north south valley, and then you've got the sort of adjacent Smilkameen Valley, which is is almost as exciting, I think. Um, so there's there's lots of opportunity because we can grow cool climate Riesling at one end, and we can grow kind of rich ripe Shiraz at the other end, and everything in between. So, you know, for where we are in Naramata, I think it's, uh, we have almost exactly the same heat units as Burgundy um, mm-hmm. right here. And, and I I mean, for, for us on the estate, we, we planted Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And I think that that's starting to, to show some success. So, um, you know, from a, from a climactic perspective, um, maybe climate change is going to, is going to, uh, cause some issues going forward. Maybe it's going to be helpful in other ways, but um, I think that that uh, our focus is generally, you know, we have Pinot Noir and Chardonnay on, in Naramata, which I think are great varieties. Mm-hmm. We get our reds from uh, our Shiraz comes from the Gold Mile area. Our Riesling comes from Naramata. Um, our Bordeaux come from down south. So it's, you know, we can use that that uh, um, climactic difference and that that latitude difference that we've got in the valley to to our benefit and so for that reason that's pretty unique there's not many regions in the world that that can make sort of world-class riesling and you know merlot in the same and syrah and merlot and chardonnay yeah it's interesting yeah exactly i know and it's amazing Uh, you've got a master of wine it's no easy task and i'm wondering with all that you've done and all that you do on the property um, how did you come up with the name Daydreamer, you and Rachel? That was uh, it was Rachel. So it's, it's really twofold. It was kind of it was always our dream to to start our own thing. And um, you know, when we finally got enough brass together to do it, we we uh, we thought that Daydreamer was probably a a good uh, a good name to call it because we've been daydreaming about having our own place for so long. And uh, also, I think my wife thinks I'm a bit of a daydreamer, a bit of a space cadet. So, <laughs> right. So. And what would be your um, advice to someone just starting out in the business, if you could give them two things to think starting about? Out, I think that, you know, uh, for, for me, I was really lucky to have some good mentorship. I worked with some fantastic winemakers around the world, and um, it was just serendipitous that my uncle ha- tended to, you know, was, was one of the better winemakers in Australia at the time. So... I would say try and try and learn from people that have have gone before. Um, I think that just people generally, the, the concept of apprenticeship and mentorship is is, um, is is less appreciated these days. But you know, experience means a lot. And as I get older, I, I you know, the more I I learn, the more I realise I don't know. And um, so I would say if if you're just wanting to get involved in the industry, have a chat to people that are in the industry and 
that are doing things that you that you appreciate or maybe they're making wines that that you you, you like or you aspire to then um you know i would i would i would talk to people uh marcus before we let you go for people who are interested in visiting daydreamer what what will go on uh, over the fall and winter session at your winery can they drop by or do they buy wines online how's it going to work we're open by appointment, so we've got an appointment system, and, and um, uh, that's been um, working really well. Um, uh, we can kind of space out tastings, and we'll be operating that right into the fall. Um, and then we, uh, we've got online as well, so daydreamerwines.ca um, is, uh, is where people can find us. But, uh, yeah, make an appointment and come visit it, and you can taste for yourself. Marcus, thanks so much for your time today. I know how busy you are with uh, getting the harvest in now and uh, finished up, but we really appreciate talking today and learning a little bit more about Daydreamer, especially for our listeners. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, that was Marcus Anson of Daydreamer Wines. Lots more still to come on our show, and a shout-out today to listeners in Salmon Arm and Nelson joining us each week on Bounce Radio. Up next, Audrey Sarau and Chef Rod Butters, co-owners of of Rod's Regional Table are celebrating 20 years in Kelowna. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And you're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Join us next time for another Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited. There are so many ways to experience the wines of Black Hills Estate Winery in Oliver, B.C. this season. Whether it's a weekend getaway to wine country or some early holiday planning, check out all of our new releases. Wine club members can enjoy exclusive benefits, including VIP wine experiences and access to member-only wines like our rare Carmenere with delivery to your door with temperature-controlled shipping year-round. For details and to book a seated wine experience, visit blackhillswinery.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, B.C. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Overlooking a beautiful 12-acre vineyard in the heart of the Cowichan Valley, the Unsworth Restaurant welcomes you to get away from it all. Enjoy a delectable menu and award-winning wines in our dining room or outdoor patio. Unsworth Restaurant, vineyard dining where casual meets elegant. You can find Unsworth wines across BC. Look for us at your local liquor store. Visit unsworthvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia from Kamloops to Revelstoke and all cities in between here on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our next guests 
Our well-known uh, across British Columbia, Audrey Sarau and Chef Rod Butters are co-owners of Rod's Regional Table in Kelowna, and they are having a big party tonight. Uh, Audrey, Rod, how are you? Hey, we're great. Thanks for having us. Happy yes, 20th. Wonderful to be here. Yes, yeah, thank well, you. Well, the, our 20-year our business anniversary was actually on June 13th, but uh, COVID and the powers that be had a different plan for us. So our big celebration is tonight on the 13th. Yeah, that's fantastic. 20 years, uh, it seems like it just rushes by. I'm sure it didn't uh, when you're in the middle of it. But uh, kind of fun to think about Kelowna 20 years ago. I was wondering what it might be like uh, opening a fine dining restaurant in 2001 uh, in a place like Kelowna where I think they were eating French French food, quote, French fruit, and drinking Italian wines. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was we only had one intent, and that was to uh, open a business to give ourselves jobs. And Fresco morphed into something unbelievable, which really was the foundation for the rest of our company over the last 20 years. Couldn't be more proud that we got our four diamonds. Um, we were the, actually the first restaurant outside of the Lower Mainland to get uh, awarded the four diamonds from uh, AAA. Um, and we got that within the first three months, was it, Ross? It's so long ago yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's very impressive. It's not easy to get. No. You know, easy to talk about eating local and supporting local and all that, but 20 years ago, that was a quite a leap for people. Uh, is it any easier today, do you think? Well, I, I certainly think with uh, media and, you know, the, the big, I guess the big box stores promoting it a lot more than they were 20 years ago certainly helps the cause. It's, I mean, certainly for, for myself and Audrey, it's just something we've always done everywhere back to Chateau Whistler and certainly the Wiccan and Inn and everywhere else in between. So it's just something we've always done. And I find it uh, quite funny actually that it's, it's still a thing that we talk about and it, and it shouldn't be. It's just, no. it's just the way it is. You're right. It's a very good well, point. Audrey, you you went on a journey yourself with wine uh, uh, over this whole period. In fact, you're now a WSET 3, very high level. Uh, Has it changed the way that you operate or you think about food and wine now that you have all this uh, intense knowledge? You know, I I, I think that uh, food and wine is is at its simplest when it's... it's, uh, I guess we just need to keep it simple. So, yes, the education certainly helped... Um, and certainly all of the judging uh, opportunities that I've had over the years for various festivals, that really helps fine-tune the palate. But at the end of the day, I always like to think that I'm, I'm going to find you your next favorite wine. You know, I love to say that to our guests is that, you know, not everybody has a chance to go up and down the valley and taste our 250 wineries uh, lineup of wines. Uh, But that's my job. And so um, I've had a lot of fun with that over the last 20 years, just uh, tasting through various portfolios and finding those smaller wineries that really pair well with the food that Rod puts on the plate and uh, and find you, our guests, their next favorite wine. Yeah, it's really fun. I know. And, you know, it's a gift. I mean, I've watched Tony. He can sit down, ask people a few questions and find the perfect wine on the list for him, for them. And, yeah. um, and for and and for and for him and for him exactly. <laughs> it's like it starts. You know, it starts with that. Yeah, I don't want to drink a lousy bottle of wine or you know eat a meal. 
that isn't up to my standards. So yes, that's very yeah. true. And Rod, in your spare time, you published a Canadian best-selling cookbook, The Okanagan Table, and which was great, The Art of Everyday Home Cooking. Are you ready to write another one? Uh, well, my publisher would certainly uh, <laughs> want me to. But yes, I'll bet. You know, co- uh, you know the past couple of years of business has, has certainly been a challenge, but uh, it's it, it definitely uh, it's definitely on the books, as they say. So great. wait and see. Good to hear. And uh, Audrey, when you look back in 20 years, a lot of people have gone through. You know, have worked for you, have moved on into the industry. Does it does it make you proud to have so many of these people out there now, uh, well trained and working and in, in their own right? Oh, absolutely. That you know, there's a sense of pride that comes not just from doing the everyday that we are obviously still good at because we're still here 20 years later through a pandemic, but uh, there is a sense of pride. Absolutely, when we see some really famous uh, chefs and restaurateurs in their own right that that initially, you know, either trained as an apprentice abroad or worked with me on the floor as a as a busser and and uh, eventually made it to the restaurant manager at Raxi's, for example, <laughs> uh, can't help but be proud about things like that. And you've donated yeah. thousands of dollars and countless hours, you know, to Okanagan charities and fundraisers. How can you explain that kind of generosity? It's it's walking our talk. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, supporting local, but it's another thing, you know, there's a diff- for me there's a difference be- between living in a community and actually being part of the community and Audrey and I made the decision right from the get-go that we're going to be a part of this community that we live in and uh, I don't think we've ever said no to any fundraising effort by uh, by anybody. It's what we believe in. So you know, you've done a great job. Both of you are to be congratulated on that. Our guests are Audrey Sarau and Chef Rod Butters. They're co-owners of Rod's Regional Table in Kelowna. Of course, they have many other uh, options going on, including Sunny's, one of my favorite places to have uh, breakfast, uh, microbites next door. I'm interested to hear a little bit about uh, tonight and perhaps what you guys are planning uh, for the guests for to celebrate 20 years. Well, we're going to take them through a journey of uh, a food of all of the places of with micro and sunnies, of course, back to our, our fresco years. Rods will be highlighted. Uh, we're going to uh, do a beautiful course from our time at Terrafina at Hester Creek. And Audrey has chosen just an absolute iconic lineup of wines to go with it. And uh, it's, it, we, we call it a, a dinner 20 years in the making. And, uh, 20, yeah, a dinner 20 years in the making, exactly. And <laughs> and really, you know, we're pulling out all the stops. There's no question about it. It's our 20-year anniversary, and the guests that were um, that are going to be there tonight are, are really going to be in for a treat. We're, we're excited about it. Is, is there any one thing that sticks out to either of you about the 20 years? Any incident or story that, uh, you know, really catches you? Well, I, I was actually going to tell the, the the story tonight, and I'll just I'll, I'll try to be brief with it. We had opened June thirteenth in two thousand and one, and our very first Canada Day. So a couple of weeks later, after we had opened, uh, we had a, a gentleman in and uh, enjoying himself, and was talking to one of our servers, and uh, she came over very upset and said, "Oh, you need to go talk to this gentleman." So I did, and he was very adamant. He was a local business uh, person. And was very adamant, like, what the hell are we doing opening this kind of restaurant in Kelowna? You're never <laughs> going to make it, blah, blah, blah. 
And I, I, I just, I just, and it's always been a very motivating factor for me. And, I, and I've never forgotten, I've never forgotten the conversation with him. And I hope over the past 20 years, and I hope he's listening, that I hope every time he opened a newspaper or a magazine or turned on his TV to the Food Network or somewhere else or shops or buys BC wine or shops at his local farm, that we are right there telling him, screw you. We, made it. we have an unbelievable team. So. <laughs> oh, man. Spoken like a true chef. Thank you, Rod Butters. Yeah. Uh, Audrey, Rod, thanks so much. Have a great time tonight. Uh, I'm sure you will. And, uh, well, we wish you another 20 years uh, of uh, great success uh, in the Okanagan, and uh, maybe you'll win that guy over. Who knows? Well, let's get him on the air. Yeah, yeah. Let's. He might yeah, be at dinner exactly. tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> he, he might. He, I hope he is. But we want to. We wanted to thank you and just everybody uh, for the the twenty years that we've been incredibly blessed. Not just for the past twenty, but uh, everywhere we've we've been in our careers, and we can't thank you enough. And uh, certainly the li- the listeners of British Columbia. Okay. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, that was Audrey Sarau. Uh, she's a co-owner along with Chef Rod Butters from Rod's Regional Table in Kelowna. They are celebrating uh, 20 years in the business tonight. A reminder that along with our radio show, which airs each week in British Columbia Radio Markets, our podcast is there for you to listen to on your time and preferably with a glass of wine. Find us on any of the top podcast platforms. Up next, winemaker Ross Wise joins us from Black Hills Estate Winery on the Black Sage Bench. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And you're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. The Maipo Valley is a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Bold. Award-winning. Discover Gold. Our tasting room at Gold Hill Winery is open and ready to welcome everyone. Come explore our beautiful vineyard and reserve your unique and personal tasting of our exclusive small lot favorites. We can't wait to see you again and share our passion. Discover Gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. Red Rooster Winery invites you to visit for a sensory journey from grape to glass. Take in the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountain views from their cozy estate on the Naramata Bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their award-winning and estate-grown Malbec, a beautiful red that's the perfect accompaniment while you take in the views. Seated tastings are offered seven days a week, 11 to 5 this fall. Come for the views, stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. 
Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission. Offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as $399,000. Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry-free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia. Our guest is Ross Weiss. He's the winemaker at Black Hills Estate Winery. Ross, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Anthony? Uh, well, I'm good. I didn't have to deal with the harvest uh, other than talk about it. Uh, you actually had to do it. <laughs> are you Are you done yet or almost done or... Very close. I think we're in our last week now, but yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a fast and furious one for sure. It definitely started a bit earlier than we thought, and uh, it's it's coming it's coming in very fast. But yep, it's yeah, nearly through. So people, I mean, people sometimes may not think about it much, but grapes, all grapes are different, and they all ripen differently. So you're down to the last couple. What are the two late ones that you're picking? We are just into Cabernet Franc this week, and we're starting Cabernet Sauvignon on the weekend. So, yeah, the, the last two we're working on with a little bit of Petit Bordeaux as well. So they're always the latest ripening, and this year they're they're just coming right now. So we're nearly there. Yeah. And you're uh, moving towards organic certification. How difficult is that, Ross? It's actually not too bad in British Columbia, and I, I know it. it probably makes life a little bit more difficult for the viticulture team so i hope they're not listening <laughs> but it but it, it is actually not too bad if you can do organics anywhere it's british columbia because we've got such low rainfall and low humidity so our disease pressure is so low so it's it's really not too bad here you've just got to keep an eye on the nutrients for your vines so you've got to use a bit more compost um, but other than that it's it's just paying attention and, and doing what you need to do to look after the vines and if we talk about you and we talk about the consumer and the outcomes, like what, 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 why is why is organic good? Why is it good for consumers? Why is it good for wineries? Why is it good for winemakers? Well, what is it that, that you know the valley is really moving quickly this way now? Yeah, it's a it's a big move for sure. Uh, I think for for staff in the vineyard, it's definitely a healthier way to to farm your vines. You're not using any chemicals that can linger on the grapes. It's much more uh, it's contact. Um, Based chemicals, so they're, they're really less harsh and, and everyday organic chemicals. Um, for the winery team, it brings us much cleaner grapes. We we get really uh, grapes that wild yeast are, are present on, and they, they ferment the grapes really easily. So we get excellent quality grapes. From a consumer perspective, they know what's going into their wine, so they know that it's it's really limited on what sprays are used in the vineyard, and mm. there's nothing harmful at all in the wine there. So I think it's a great approach, and I think that's. That's evident by how many people are, are taking it on in British Columbia at the moment. Right and on. It's been a pretty uh, challenging year. What are your yields going to be like, as, you know, compared to the last few years? I think, yeah, we're definitely lower yields this year. I think the the hot, hot summer has had an impact on yields. We're looking at about 25% down overall for, for reds and whites. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit tough. We're coming off another short crop from 2020, so that's that's two in a row, but... Um, the, the upside of low crops is they tend to have really concentrated fruit flavors, so uh, we're hopeful that translates into some some really powerful and flavorful wines at the other end of it. 
well, you said the wine word. Let's talk about a couple of wines. One in particular, uh, your small lot uh, wines or skews. These are wines that uh, are uh, uh, are not made in large numbers, folks, and usually available at the winery or to the wine club. Sangiovese. Now, that's a grape you don't hear much about in British Columbia, and you're going to release one. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, this one's really exciting. So I did a little bit of a grape swap in the 2020 harvest with my friend Sandy from Sandhill Winery. Um, so uh-huh. we sent her some Black Hills Syrah, and uh, we got some of her Sangiovese from the Sandhill Vineyard in return. So, um, yeah, it was my first time working with Sangiovese, and uh, just wanted to, to have a play with it and see what happens. And, yeah, it was wild fermented. Uh, it's been aged in neutral oak barrels. It'll spend two years in barrel, and then we'll bottle it unfined, unfiltered after that. So a really natural expression of, uh, I think, what Sangiovese can do here. We're we're super excited about it, and I think it's going to kick off uh, a small lot program that we're working on, uh, hopefully many more fun little projects to follow in the coming years as well. Uh, are you speaking Italian now, Ross? Because uh, <laughs> that is a one difficult grape to grow outside of uh, Tuscany. It, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little bit tricky, but it, I don't know. It seems to like it in the South Okanagan. That it gets really good levels of ripeness. The the sugar levels are at a great level. That we still achieve about thirteen and a half percent alcohol, which to me is really balanced for Sangiovese. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it's got some potential here. I think if you can find a good slope, then it, it seems to be it seems to quite like it here. Right on. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our guest is Ross Wise. He's the winemaker at Black Hills Estate Winery on the Black Sage Bench. Ross, you've got, you said, about another week to go with harvest. Uh, do you have any superstitions or any special foods you eat during harvest time? Um, yeah, so I think this year the crew, there's always a cookie or something like that, and this year the crew have really taken to Tim Tams, and it's pretty embarrassing how many um, <laughs> bags of, well, boxes of Tim Tams the team's cruising through, but um, we're certainly <laughs> keeping that company going. Um, well, tell yeah, them that the Girl that, Guide cookies are out. Okay, that could be the next one. I think you can only have so many Tim Tams, so we might have to make a change soon. But um, other than that, it really is just checking the weather every morning and, and trying to figure out the best way to bring all these grapes in. And, uh, yeah, not too superstitious, but I think uh, yeah, the food's definitely worth a thought for sure. Hey, can I ask how you check the weather? Like, do you, I mean, do you physically look outside? Do you have a place that you go to online, or are you just connected to your own weather stations? or? Yeah, a bit of all of that. Yep, we've got a couple of different weather apps that we use, and, and weather stations. And I just I think local knowledge is a big part of it as well, because when the seasons change, the weather forecasts they're they're not always 100 percent accurate. So there's a lot of lot of vineyard managers that have been here for a long time, and they don't panic when they see a 60 percent chance of rain because they know it's right. not very likely. So I think local knowledge is is always a key as well. Uh, Ross, a lot of people were familiar with uh, cellar hand wines that were made at uh, Black Hills. They are going away. You're changing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, so cellar hand red, that was, uh, I guess you'd call it junior Nota Bene. It was sort of the barrels that didn't make it into Nota Bene. Um, but I think I wanted to do something different. I wanted to make a wine that had a bit more of its own purpose and its own statement. Um, so we decided to create a new wine, and we've called it Bonafide. Um, so Bonafide is going to be a wine that's based on Melbeck, so it just coincided with us uh, having a block of Melbeck coming on stream for the winery, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit different. We've never had Melbeck in any of our wines before. Um, so it's still a blend, though, so there will be a little bit of Merlot, Syrah, and actually a touch of Carmenera, which uh, sort of gives it a little bit of a Black Hills twist to it as well. So 
it's sort of along the same um, concept as Salahan was. It's supposed to be approachable early, a light uh, sort of red-fruited wine, uh, not too, not 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 necessarily something you have to put away for five or six years to get full enjoyment from. Um, so yeah, that that started with the 2020 vintage, and I believe it's on shelves around BC already. So yeah, watch out for Bonafide with a, a sleek new black label. <laughs> Listen to you, Ross. You're, you're marketing yes. wines, making <laughs> wines. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you've done such a great job over there at Black Hills. Many people probably don't know you're also a, a kingpin for Peller across the valley. So you've been working with other uh, people, uh, you know, over at Tinhorn, up at up at uh, uh, the, on the Naramata bench at Red Rooster. Uh, you've got a lot of things uh, going on that you're juggling there. Yep, for sure, and, and having a lot of fun with it too, and, and yeah, just getting the best out of out of each of the the wineries, and and more importantly, the vineyards as well. So also doing a lot of work mm-hmm. in, with the the Andrew Peller vineyards, and yeah, making sure we've all got the, the best grapes to work with each year. So that's that's probably the most exciting part is getting outdoors and seeing the the quality of the vineyards come through. And Ross, you have a, a Master of Wine, which you received in 2020 in February. Has that helped you with harvest? Are there things that you may not have known that you learned about when you were getting your Master of Wine? Yeah, I think the whole process is very, very beneficial to me, whether it's uh, tasting more wines internationally and understanding different styles and different philosophies or whether it was digging into the business of wine and understanding marketing, which apparently I'm starting to sound like a marketer now, but um, just understanding the different business Sides, uh, I think that really helps me as I approach harvest and, and the whole year of winemaking. So yeah, definitely it helps. Um, I haven't done much since becoming a master of wine because the world pretty much locked down the week after that. But hopefully, get to travel soon and <laughs> I think I get to graduate in March. All going well, so that will be good. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Well, they they I, I mean I have run into the MWs on their tours when I've been traveling, and uh, they do a lot of great stuff. So. You'll have that to look forward to if you can slip away from that winery for 10 minutes. Uh, Ross, always great to catch up with you. I know it's not quite done, but we wish you good luck to finish up uh, the harvest of 2021. Before you know, we'll be talking about 2022, and you'll be out there pruning uh, or directing the pruning and because uh, it never stops. It never stops. That's exactly right. We'll be straight into it again straight after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right. Hey, Ross, thanks for joining us today on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, You're welcome. That was Ross Wise. He's the winemaker at Black Hills Estate Winery, but there's still plenty more to come on the show. Up next, we speak with Kathy Malone. She's the winemaker at Hillside Winery on the Naramana Bench, and you won't believe how many vintages she's celebrating this year. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And you're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Clos de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Clos de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at closdesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. 
You know you want it, so come and get it. The Modest Butcher invites you to happy hour every day from 2 to 4 p.m. On the menu, beers, cocktails, wine by the glass or half liter, and don't forget about the new appies. Also making a comeback, Tommy and Tannen Tuesday. Get their tremendously sized tomahawk steak with all the fixins and a bottle of their tomahawk-worthy vino for $180. For more details and to book, visit ModestButcher.com. Come and get it. The Maipo Valley is a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Experience award-winning wines and a pastoral view of the Oliver Valley from the covered patio at Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. The tasting room is open daily from 11 to 6. Why not book a black glass blind tasting to test your taste buds? For exclusive VIP experiences, join the Crush Club. Membership includes regular wine shipments, 15% off purchases, early access to new releases, and admission to the Wine Club Lounge. Don't forget, Miradoro Restaurant is also open daily for indoor and outdoor dining. Visit tinhorn.com. Overlooking a beautiful 12-acre vineyard in the heart of the Cowichan Valley, the Unsworth Restaurant welcomes you to get away from it all. Enjoy a delectable menu and award-winning wines in our dining room or outdoor patio. Unsworth Restaurant, vineyard dining where casual meets elegant. You can find Unsworth wines across BC. Look for us at your local liquor store. Visit unsworthvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Uh, very delighted to be traveling up to the Naramata guest uh, guest Naramata bench to uh, speak to our next guest, Kathy Malone. Uh, she's the winemaker at Hillside Winery and Bistro, and uh, she's someone who's been making wine for forty harvests. Kathy, can you believe it? No. No. <laughs> and it's actually, um, I'm 40 years in the industry, but that makes it my 41st crush because the first okay. thing I did was a crush. Yeah. So I know it's it's shocking that Kelowna Wines was interested in hiring teenagers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, children. Yeah, good one. Yeah. yeah you, know. you were like, you were Infant. 10, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, are you still excited by harvest, or is it the hardest thing you do all year, or the easiest thing, or how, how would you describe it? Oh, yeah, the answer is yes to all those questions. Yeah, it's always still super exciting because, um, it, you know, you, you kind of start over, right? You have new fruit yeah. every year, and, and every vintage is different. And, um, yes, it's the hardest we work all year, um, both physically and mentally, right, because there's is- a lot of sort of thinking on the ground and, and pivoting, yeah. yeah. Especially the, this it, year with, you know, our unusual um, heat pattern. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm wondering if, if it's a thing where you have these notes in your back pocket saying, okay, I'm not going to do this this year or don't forget to do this this year or is it just just c- comes to you in the moment? Oh, I, I keep a lot of records, yeah, because I think information is power. <laughs> right? right and on. you know my my memory is you know it's been 40 harvests so that's a lot to remember 
Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I do I do refer. I mean, last year um, we were really pleased with the wines, and so, you know, I'm, I'm continually referring to any tweaks I might have made last year and, and whether I want to continue and um, that you know, in perpetua, right? It's like that every year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you got it all under control now, but was there a nightmare harvest for you somewhere in those 40, or was there a year when you thought, oh, my God, I'm I'm over my head, or I'm, this is just going sideways? Or, <laughs> um, Well, you know, you don't, you don't want to remember those ones, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I think the hardest ones um, are ones where the yields were, are unexpectedly high, you mm. know. And, I mean, I remember uh, when I was at Mission Hill, it was my my responsibility to the logistics, you know, to get the bins down to the vineyards and get them back and, you know, all that trucking. And and yep. um, I don't remember. I think it was 2006 was a particularly heavy yield. And, you know, there was there was a moment that, you know, John Sines and I were toe-to-toe yelling at each other on the crush pad over empty bins, you know. So, <laughs> so, so Oh, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that won't be a problem this year, apparently. No, and of... actually, I mean, I I wish we had more fruit coming in um, because we most – our whites have sold out. Our 2020 whites have sold out and um, our, you know, our – people would like more and more and we're they're, we're going to give them less and less oh. which is unfortunate but but um you know the quality is great and so i hope people recognize the product as being very you know special and dear and um and also it makes for i don't have to shoehorn it into the winery this year right it's mm-hmm. it's easy fitting I've actually I usually rent a couple of red fermenters and I've I've canceled that contract. So um yeah, so you, you I mean can, it sounds like you could have a winemaker dinner inside the winery while the harvest is going on. Yeah, you could. <laughs> it, it would it would be heavenly. The smells of the ferments would would really enhance the food flavors, right? There and you go. Yeah. Kathy, what's happening with the bistro wine shop scene up there? So our bistro is open um, now till the 23rd of October. So there's one one full weekend and a half to get in, um, Wednesdays to Sundays. So um, I would, if anyone's hoping to do that, they should book ahead because mm. we're quite full. Um, and we just TripAdvisor just announced the list of top t- top ten patio restaurants in. Canada. And you're on that list. Sorry, not TripAdvisor. It was Open Table. Yeah, we're on that list Even of the better. top 10 in, in um, Canada. Or wow. I probably well, got it wrong. Congratulations. <laughs> well, that's, that's no fantastic. surprise to us. We've had some amazing dinners up there and evenings that went yeah. way too Longer late. than harvest, that go longer <laughs> <Exactly>. than harvest. <laughs> the patio's magic, eh? It is. Yeah. It really is. I sent a couple of people there last week, and they just came back the next day and raved about it. So I was oh, very pleased, uh, pleased to hear that. Although I knew that would happen. Yeah, uh, that's good to hear. So the wine shop is is um, staying open. We on November first, we uh, tighten the hours a little bit to twelve to five, and but we're adding a um, a sensory tasting. So 
you know, it's it's a special selection of wines as well as um, exploring the aroma kit. Mm-hmm. So um, people find that really interesting. Yeah, can, can you quickly explain that? Like, the, I know what an aroma kit is, but maybe our listeners don't know. How are you incorporating it into this tasting? So, um, you know, we actually, we let people um, smell the vials. Okay. So what it is is um, it's small vials of very specific aromas, um, like specific fruits, like here's grapefruit, here's pear, here's, um, you know, tamarillo tree tomato, that sort of thing. mushrooms, wood, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so um, through the tasting, then I go back to the aroma kit to try and tease out, you know, which of those aromas they're picking up in the the wine that they're tasting. So it's it's cool, yeah. Yeah. you're coming to Vancouver, which is kind of cool. Yeah, in December we're we're launching um, the, our new label of Mosaic um, with our with the 2015 Mosaic, which, as mm-hmm. you know, is our hottest year on the yep. Nermata bench and um, uh, wine that we're really excited about, and we're really excited about the label too. So we'll be hosting um, our wine club members as well as um, trade and media. At uh, hopefully it will be, um, you know, a, quite a special affair. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> I'm going to get my black tie out. Exactly. Yes, and uh, Kathy, you will sing for us as you usually do. <laughs> well, if I promise not to, will more people come? <laughs> uh, we're not going to answer that. <laughs> And I'm curious, is there anything that you do at Harvest that um, any special foods or superstitions or to get you through the... Oh, yeah. We we start our... Generally, our first um, grape crushed is our Muscat Autonel, which, you know, Vera planted uh, when the winery first started back to, in 1983. And um, so we toast the Harvest with the previous vintage. So every, any, anyone and everyone who's working that day, so, you know, the kitchen and the bistro and the wine shop staff and the cellar staff gather on the, the back pad and we crack a bottle of, of Muscat Autonel and um, toast the harvest and then pour the rest of the bottle into the press and then the, the next vintage grapes go on top of it. So we're afraid of not doing that. <laughs> So I think that's a superstition. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kathy, always great to catch up with you. I want to mention one wine that I've had of yours recently. I don't know whether it's still available, but the 2016 Hillside Merlot Dickinson Vineyard is just such an outstanding wine. People should check that out, especially Merlot fans. Mm. Uh, It's really showing well. Yeah, I mean, the, what's currently selling in our wine shop and on our website is the 2015, which uh, was, um, as I mentioned, also one of our hottest good. vintages. Yeah. And the 2016 was one of our highest yielding vintages. So, you know, you're always a little nervous about what what that shift might bring. But um, the 2016 wines are also really lovely. So, mm. yeah, we're pleased All right. Uh, just bug them at the store. Tell them I said that, that you can get a bottle, but, you know, you may have to wait until <laughs> I, we, I think we we have a waiting list. So yeah. All right. Uh, Kathy, back to the tanks. I don't know, do you stir them or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, we do. Um, we pump over the red 
ferments, right, to yeah. reincorporate the skins. Um, sometimes, sometimes we use a couple of other strategies. The whites, we try to let, um, just leave them alone, let them do their thing, you know. Um, they okay. do pretty well on their own. I check them every day. I taste them every day and check their progress and tweak the temperatures if I need to. But, you know, knocking all, all the right. wood, everything is going really well. So, Kathy Malone, we're going to leave you alone so you can get back to work. And uh, we're happy you join us today on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Great chatting with you. Kathy Malone's a winemaker at Hillside Winery, and that's it for today's show. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And big thanks to Darren Reagan behind uh, all the uh, wires and everything to make the show work. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, and we'll see you next week. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. 